0: welcome to another bonus podcast my name is Thalia I'm one of the pastors on staff and I'm sitting with Crystal hello pastor of women here at Northview mm-hmm. and Aaron Peters hi there So, we haven't talked about Erin for a little bit, but we want to tell you (laughs) why she's so important on this podcast. Well, first of all, she's our friend and we trust her. But second of all, she brings a lot of pieces that we need on this podcast. So, she and her husband, Erin, were missionaries in Madagascar. Her husband, Kevin. What did I say? You just called her husband, Erin.
1: Oh, (laughs) Erin and Erin. It's common. We were called Evan and Karen quite a lot. (laughs) Oh, I can see that. Yeah, so Erin and
0: Kevin were missionaries in Madagascar. How many years were you there? About six and a half Okay. And so they know about transitioning from Canada to a totally new place and back again. Mm-hmm. And they have three kids. Mm-hmm. And Kevin is one of our elders. So he's a very important leader for us and they have that leadership piece. And then Aaron and Kevin have a passion for marriage and they are leading a pre-marriage group in their home this time around.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. How many it's couples? It's really interesting. Two. Okay. It was meant to be three originally. Uh, you can but really get down to the
2: <laughs> good stuff then.
0: Put them on the spot. right? <laughs> so we're kind of trying to see how that goes, what do we do going forward. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting concept.
1: We'll mm-hmm. see how it works out.
0: So our topic today, we are going to talk about hope, peace, and gentleness. We're going to look at the cultural view of those words, the biblical view, and we're going to talk about how they practically apply to our everyday lives. But before we do that, this morning when I was at my desk, I had just come in, one of the staff members came over to notify me of a new online game. And so we wanna put out a warning to those of you who are listening, if you've ever heard of the Blue Whale game, which Mm -hmm. I had not heard of until pretty much a few minutes ago. It is an online social media game and I put that in quotation marks. The inventor of this is a young man from Russia and he has put out a challenge to people to do 50 days of self-harm. And each day, I know, the tasks get more extreme. And on the 50th day, they are strongly encouraged to take their own life through suicide. I was horrified. Yeah. Who wouldn't be? Yeah. it's just, yeah. So I hardly have words for that, except that it reminds us of Romans 1, when people are inventors of evil. Yeah. It really feels just incredibly evil and awful and I hardly know what to say except please be aware of what your kids are doing with social media and please remind them of the truth of scripture which is what let's pitch
2: in well we're fearfully and wonderfully made by God like Mm -hmm. he has created us in a way that's awe-inspiring and so we want to value people as people who are made in his image and know that all of us are and this is not okay Yeah. To
0: harm ourselves or to take our own lives. Yeah. It was the whole point of Jesus going to the cross. We were so loved and so valuable that God sent his only son to die on the cross for us. Yeah. And so we have to remind our kids, our teenagers, and even vulnerable adults who are feeling lonely and drained and, you know, feel like there's no purpose in life. You can see that this would pull in a lot of people, not just teenagers. Yeah, they'd feel like they're bigger than in something
2: that's bigger than themselves or some kind of worldwide movement or something that is just so demented and twisted
1: and demonic. Yeah. Yeah, And the name is like cute. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't sound at all like something no. that would be frightening. So blue whale, it's nice. Yeah. Yeah, he takes that's the horrible. name. The name
0: comes from um, blue whales supposedly beach themselves when they're getting close to the end of their lives. They intentionally take their own life. I don't know. I haven't done enough research to no know if that's, that's true what you or not, saw but when you looked it up yeah, this morning. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So it originated in Russia. Yeah, has been going for a while, and now is sweeping through the UK and the US. Apparently, yes. So School districts are starting to warn parents, families, friends, or mm-hmm. whatever about yeah. this, and so just wanted it to be on your radar.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then as a parent, it just makes your job just a little more tricky. But it's so it's <laughs> good that we can tricky. hear about the warning right, right away and yeah. um and be vigilant.
0: Yeah. So you can look at that online. It was easy to find a lot of information online for that. So maybe educate yourself so that you're aware of what's potentially coming down the pipeline towards your family. Yeah. So what's good is that we are linking this with the words hope, peace, and gentleness, which are (laughs) no part of this blue whale game. We need
2: those in the midst of the world that we live in. That's just
0: a coincidence
1: that that's what we were talking about today.
0: Well, why are we talking about these words well, this past weekend at the Abbotsford campus, we had our Global Missions Weekend. It was last weekend in Mission and this week in Abbotsford. And we had a guest speaker, Randy Friesen from MB Mission, which is just upstairs from us, the yeah. floor above us. Yeah. And he talked as part of his message about the theme of hope. So Crystal's going to expand on that a little bit. Yeah, so he walked through some
2: biblical characters and then also some real life stories of mm-hmm. people who had put their hope in God, um, the God of the Old Testament, Um where a lot of the biblical characters he talked about, and then people putting their hope in Jesus, kind of in current everyday Correct. life, and just how that had transformed their lives, and how they had kind of put a stake in the ground, saying, I'm, "My hope is going to be in God in the midst of the situation." Yeah, and so that was basically the theme, and he was encouraging people to analyze where their hope was coming from and to mm-hmm. re kind of frame themselves into thinking, actually, my hope is in is in God, not in these circumstances, not in people, not in all these kind of things. So. Mm-hmm. Because he talked about it in that biblical way, we kind of made us think, okay, so how do we view it culturally? I know. How how do we go wrong in this, and what are some of the ways we should do it biblically? So I think before we get into the Bible verses, do we want to talk a little bit about how we get it wrong. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So what do we think of when we think of the word hope culturally? What do we
1: think, Aaron, Why don't you chime in? It's like in? wishful thinking. It's, I'm dreaming of something. I'm hoping. Yeah. It will come to good fruition. I hope
0: this guy will call me. (laughs) I hope I'll get the job that I want. Yeah. I hope I'll get a raise.
2: Yeah, it's kind of wishful thinking in situations where we don't really feel like we have control, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So like something like I hope someone will marry me or whatever. Like you don't really have control over whether that's going to happen or not or the job or those kind of things. It's it's that idea of putting, yeah, excitement or energy into something that you just don't know if it's going to come. And it's
0: not wrong to think that way. That is part of the Bible. So I looked at 2 John 1, verse 12. And this is John saying, I hope to come to you and talk to you face to face. So it's not wrong to talk like that. It's just not the full picture. Yeah. It's an acknowledgement that we are not
2: in control of all our things, but we're yeah. still hoping to do something. Right. Like that's our goal or an intention is to do something, but we don't know if it's actually going to happen.
0: Yeah. So the biblical piece adds a broader um, yeah. what do you call that? Fuller. Fuller picture of the word hope. Richer. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the biblical understanding of the word hope. Yeah, so if you
2: go back to the story of Rahab which is which, the main story that Randy uh, kind of patterned his message on, She had a hope in God, but it was based on secure things that she knew about God because she had heard about the fact that God had dried up the Red Sea. She had heard about all the miracles that God had done in Egypt, delivering his people. She had heard about his character and who he was and had a confidence in his nature that he was the God of heaven and earth. Mm -hmm. And so this information is what she clung on to in the midst of hope. And so I think one of the things we need to realize is that hope in a biblical sense, is hope in the character of God and yes. the fact that mm-hmm. He is the God of heaven and earth, that He is bigger than any circumstance that we're facing yes, and that He, His character is sure that we can trust it. Mm-hmm. In the midst of our difficult times, we can still trust in who He is and how how He's bringing us through a situation. Yeah, the God of hope. Yeah. Like, yeah. And so He's called yeah. that the God of hope in lots of different places. Um, you have a bit of Psalm 42 that you wanted to read, I think, Aaron, right? Yes.
1: Attribute yeah. of God is, is identified. So this psalm has quite a bit of phrasing of like, um, my soul thirsts and um, I've had tears. So this downcast kind of language. And then in verse four five it says, Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. And it continues on the next Little bit there, my soul is cast down within me, therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon from Mount Mizar. And continues. Like remembering the the reasons why to have hope in God. To kind of put like you said, that stake. Like, okay, I'm committed. I'm going to trust
0: mm-hmm.
1: in yeah. this God. Yeah.
2: And I love the language of the songs. We've talked about to Psalms. We've talked about this before that it's like. David is talking to himself, mm-hmm. telling himself, "This is how I should think." And he's talking to himself, "Why are you so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God." He's yeah. like mm-hmm. revving himself up to say, "Actually, that's where my hope should be." Yeah, is in God?
1: Yeah, he re- he and he repeats that phrasing almost identically in verse in eleven. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. Yeah, like it's. It's that talking to yourself instead <laughs> of listening to yourself, right? Yeah. We've talked yeah. about that often. I
0: love Romans fifteen thirteen. It says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Mm-hmm. Our hope comes from God who is the God of hope. Yeah. And then he also, several passages in the
2: Bible talk about the fact that we have an eternal hope. Mm-hmm. And so we have this like Colossians 1 verse 5 says, Your hope is laid up for you in heaven. And First Peter 1 verse 3 says, We have been born again to a living hope. And then he explains that to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. So yeah. it's the idea that you have this hope, even if life is not happening the way you want it here. You have this hope that. It's all gonna be restored at some point, that yeah. there's gonna be an inheritance that's kept for you that's not gonna be eaten away or, you yeah. know, lost when the bank crashes or whatever, like this thing that's kept for you. Well, it is a, a sure a thing. Joy.
0: Yeah. Which is weird because when we think of the word hope culturally, it's not a sure thing. No, it's but a wishful Hope thinking. in God yeah. is a sure thing. If we are believers, if we have put our trust in Christ, then we will have hope, which is in heaven. We will be eternally secure. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's both. We have hope on earth because Mm -hmm. we know that the God we're serving is bigger than our
2: circumstances. Mm -hmm. So we've hope that we can persevere through them or that God will bring good out of them. And then there's that hope eternally that even if life doesn't turn out the way we want, we have that future hope.
0: Yeah. 1 Timothy 6 verse 17 says that we set our hope in God, not in the uncertainty of riches or the things of this life. And I love that too because we often get caught up in this life and the things in which putting our hope in our career, our jobs, our money our families, but that's not where we should be aiming our hope. Yeah, It should be on God's character. It should be on our eternal life. Yeah. And, and
2: in First Peter 3, where it uses that same phrase, set your hope on God. It's in mm-hmm. the concept of a marriage relationship, which I thought is, is interesting, yeah. right? Because saying, don't set your hope necessarily on your husband. Set your hope on yeah. God. And that's yeah. a good reminder too for us, because we can set our hope in relationships. So how do we Often remind do. ourselves
0: yeah. on a practical everyday life, our everyday life, to think of this biblical hope versus being stuck in our cultural thing of hope
1: that language that <clears throat> in those verses of we set our hope to me that sounds very decisional yeah <laughs> like so i think to proceed is to make um set decisions yeah. i am putting my faith here i am putting my hope in the lord reminding ourselves of the attributes of god the names of god like ancient of days well that speaks of his trustworthy nature Yeah, You know, reminding ourselves of those things, being in the scriptures so that we can be reminded of why that hope is important, why it's trustworthy. Yeah. I think that's the main
2: thing is just if we are in regular Bible study and reading, we're going to be continually confronted with the fact that our God is trustworthy and we mm-hmm. can put our hope in him. And But if we're not, we'll totally get into our own patterns of self-pity or like getting our minds all, you know, messed up with anxiety, depression, all these things, because we won't see that hope. So I think the very practical thing is regularly being in God's word, especially if you are in that time reading the Psalms, because like a lot of the Psalms start that way, where they start like talking whoa. about your woe and your depression and your sadness. But then there's a decision point in the middle of it where the psalmist decides Regardless of what I see around me, I'm going to put my hope in God. And that's such a good reminder yeah. for us because we can identify with the hard stuff, but then we get reminded, oh yeah, but this isn't all there is. This isn't the end of the story.
1: And I wonder too about like testifying and, and speaking the th- ways that God has spoken to you and shown you his truth in the past yeah. and, and worked things for good, um, or, or just been steadfast in His love and protection. Yeah. Because when you read the Psalms, you see again and again they that the, the authors refer to things that have happened in the past. Yeah. So it tells me that this is good. Like, if you're a journaler or you like to just visit with your friends, like, say the things that have been done in the past and speak them to remind ourselves. Yeah. And I
0: would say even if you're in the deepest of muck right now, whatever it is, I would say still— be in the scriptures, yeah. be with a small group of some sort so that you can remind each other of who God is, his character, and what you can count on, even when it's rough and difficult going. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And like you always encourage people to pray like like Hannah does in 1 Samuel. Like if you're in a hard part, bring that stuff before God because mm-hmm. he is the only one that can solve it and can yeah. influence it. So vent to God if yeah. you're mm-hmm. in those places and then put your hope in him, yeah.
0: knowing that he's listened, that he's heard, that you can walk forward in that. Okay, let's move to the next word, peace. In our work here at Northview, there's often a clear distinction between a cultural view of peace and a biblical view of peace. So let's talk first culturally. What do we think of when we think of the word peace? Um, Feeling happy, kind of no concerns,
1: kind of
2: happy-go-lucky. This is a great
1: day. Calm. Hakuna matata. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Peace within ourselves. It's kind of a common thing you hear among people. Even so we, in, it's in songs, it's in language and TV shows. It's yeah. Well, we're striving
0: for peace as a culture. We yeah. all want peace, peace worldwide, so mm-hmm. there's no fighting, but peace also in my circumstances, in my family, in my workplace, in my community, we want peace. But that usually means I want it to be going well the way <laughs> I decide it should be going well. Yeah, I want smooth. the icky
1: stuff to go away. Yeah. That's what peace means. Yeah. Sometimes, Sometimes
2: peace can also mean that you, you've kind of worked yourself to a place of justifying something that you've yeah. du- you're you maybe not, <laughs> I don't know, know that might not be right. But saying, I feel peace with my decision, even if it's not necessarily a good thing. But you're saying, I've worked myself into a place where I'm
1: actually okay with this. Yeah. Content. And so, pardon? Kind of content with the circumstances? Yeah, or, or content even I with... justified it somehow. Yeah, like some people will say, I have peace with um,
2: this behavior that I'm doing, whatever, sleeping with my boyfriend or those kind of things. Yeah. Um, and assume that that means that it's all good with God. But they've kind of talked themselves into the situation where they've justified something to a place where it doesn't poke them anymore yeah. or convict them anymore.
0: Because people, when they feel peace culturally, they'll automatically assume that's a God-endorsed feeling. So the therefore, I'm in the right direction if I yeah. feel peace. Yeah. There's a stamp of approval. Yeah. Like, I'm not happy in my marriage, and so I've decided to leave, mm-hmm. and I feel peace with that. So then and that so that must be, God must be happy with that's me, and confusing. I'm happy with God. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. That's why we're talking about it. (laughs) Because this comes up so regularly. I have moms that Their teenagers or their young adults are going wayward. They're doing all kinds of things they should not be doing. And the moms are pleading with me that, would I pray for peace? But what they usually mean is, would you pray that my child stops doing the bad things? And would they externally do the right things? They're not praying that their heart will be changed. They just want to look like a family who's doing it all right and has it all together. They might want the heart to be changed, but they haven't
2: really identified that as like the thing right now that's bothering them is that there's this outward kind of enacting in a way they don't want to.
1: Yeah,
0: and guarantee. that's not wrong. No, no, but usually their priority is fix the outward behavior and then I will have peace.
1: Because there's a natural unease and yeah. angst that comes with trouble and stuff. Yeah, of course, I, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and even bigger issues too. Um, racism and um, injustice poverty these are things that make us feel very uneasy and and angst but they're big problems and so we feel really uncomfortable with them and then and that's not peace it's no that's like war we
0: want people to get along and be all happy together and that would be peace Mm -hmm. but that's not exactly the same peace as biblical peace so let's talk about biblical peace Mm. Go for it, Crystal. Well, first of all, um, when we look at Galatians
2: five twenty two, there's a whole list of all the different fruits of the Spirit that all of us should have. So this peace is listed as a fruit of the Spirit. So a fruit of the Holy Spirit at work in us is that we should be experiencing peace and enacting in peaceful ways towards other people. Mm-hmm. So it's something that we should be striving for.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but cultural peace can be a false peace. And so in John fourteen twenty seven, Jesus says... Uh, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. So there's a difference that Jesus is even identifying there between what what is his peace versus what the world's peace
0: might be. Yeah, because the feeling of peace, which we just said, is not a good indicator of whether something is biblically right or not. So people will often say, I have peace with my decision, and we mentioned a few, but that does not mean it's God-endorsed. No, the only objective standard is God's Word that right. tells us how we should act and live. So if Our are, feelings are not the standard. Right. So if we are in alignment with God's Word, His moral commands, then we actually may not feel peace because we actually don't necessarily want to do what the Bible commands us to do. Like to be pure before marriage sexually, that is a very hard thing. And that does not feel good. Yeah. And so we we think, well, I'm not feeling peace with that. So... That I don't think I need to continue that way.
2: Yeah. Or even like uh, standing up for things within your marriage. Like if your husband is causing you to sin, it's easy to kind of say, well, I'm going to be peaceful and just go along with it because then it's going to be no waves of stuff in the house. But actually what God's calling you to do is stand up to the situation. And that's not going to feel peaceful, no. <laughs> but that's being obedient to God's word. Yeah. So
0: peace is not an objective standard. God's mm-hmm. word is the objective yeah. standard. So a lack of peace does not mean we're going in a biblically wrong direction. And we need to very, that's why we need to be in the scriptures. We need to yeah. know what God says in his word, and we need to follow that, and peace will come when we are obedient to him. Okay, That there's a few more things. What's interesting is that we can have peace in deep grief. We can have mm. peace in really difficult times. Yeah. Yeah, I
2: remember when we lost our son, people being surprised that I could walk through that. And I had a deep sense of God's peace in the midst of it. It didn't mean I wasn't grieving and that I wasn't working through a whole kinds of ideas and theology about how I had to think about God in the midst of this time. But still, God gave me a peace and a settledness that somehow this was part of what he was doing and that he would do good from whatever was happening and that he was still had his eye upon me in the midst of it. Mm.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're told in Philippians 4 that when we're feeling that anxiousness, that we bring everything to God in prayer, and then a result, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. But it's often a result of first putting your trust in God, bringing everything to Him. We talked about in 1 Samuel chapter 1 with Hannah, bringing everything to God. She did. And we are asked to do the same thing. And then
1: peace comes. Yeah. I think that's totally something we have to practice. It's a habit that you get into Mm -hmm. so that when the larger waves hit like a death you you've already practiced that okay i'm going to put my faith and my trust in the lord he knows the situation his eye is upon me like you said and i continue to walk in his ways in the midst of this troublesome situation
2: yeah and it might be something you have to do over and over again in Mm. the midst of that like it's not like you do it once and solve it forever you might have to do that daily Mm -hmm. like the psalmist again Reminding himself, I will
0: still put my hope and I'll have my peace my peace will come from him. Crystal, this is something that I get all the time. People will use peace, the feeling of peace, as their barometer to whether they should make a decision or not. So if it's not a moral God's law decision, Mm -hmm. like somebody wants to go on a mission trip next fall. And they're waiting to feel a peace from God, a peace, should I pursue that direction or not? What do we say? How do we address that? I don't think that's necessarily
2: wrong, but it's not the only thing. I would say, like even for me, I'm I'm taking a class this summer and I'm kind of dreading it, but I know I have to do it. But what I've done in the sense of planning is I've asked a lot of different people and I've worked through all the scenarios and, and I just kind of come to the point where, you know, this is the best time, the best place, the logical decision for me right now to do this. And so I think we don't want to just rely only on that feeling of peace. I think if we do, then it might, sometimes we just know we have to do stuff and it's not really going to be fun or peaceful, but it just is the right time and the right Mm -hmm. place to do it. So I'd say ask advice, Yeah, look through, think God gave us a brain to think
0: through options, see what people say. I think we forget that though. We forget that we don't have to only be us and God alone and waiting for that feeling of peace, but we can depend on other wise Christians around us. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So how do we practically live peace out in our everyday lives?
1: Well, again, it's... It seems like almost the same answer. <laughs> <laughs> Being in the Bible. And walk in it. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, because again, it's reminding ourselves kind of where our hope and where our faith is. Yeah. And um, I think the the realization that having peace with God is the most important thing is something we need to be continually reminded of. And that again, goes to that hope peace. If we are at peace with God, if we have made peace by the blood of the cross, which it says in Colossians one twenty, Jesus made peace with us, then we're in right relationship with God. And so whatever happens to us, we at least know that our future is secure and that, yeah. and that we're in good relationship with
1: God in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. I think as believers, we need to also recall that we live in this fallen world and it's, it's not perfect. We're yeah. going to face trouble because it's a broken world. We aren't living in the Garden of Eden in the beginning where everything was in perfection. Or the new heavens and the new earth yet. And we're not there yet. Yeah. So we live in this chaotic place in between, which we see pieces of redemption. We see pieces of God's glory coming through, but we aren't living in a place where everything is is in perfection. It's fallen, it's broken and 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 there's sin. And so therefore things are going to have a lot of hiccups and speed bumps and all those words that we say. Yeah. So there's going to be death and there's going to be illness and there's going to be plagues and all sorts of horrible environmental things and people hurting each, uh, each other and themselves. Yeah. And that's the other thing it I just see sins is that people are not robots,
0: so they have the choice in this world whether to walk faithfully with God or whether to pursue their own direction, which can bring a lot of pain and hurt when people are drinking too much, or they are using drugs, or they're in bad relationships, or things like that. It is not peaceful for their family. Their family is in turmoil because of the choice their loved one is making, or their good friend is making. So, we have to know that in those circumstances, we won't feel peace. Mm-hmm. So, what we should do, I think, is run to God in prayer and talk to him about the people that are going sideways and talk to him, please, Lord, change their heart, rescue them, bring them back, help them to see what they're doing is wrong for them now. It will hurt them now, and it could hurt them eternally if they continue to rebel against God.
1: And we may have to grieve a little bit, too. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. Like, we're hurting, and it's okay. We have emotions. We feel things, and if it's hurting, we can have tears, and we can have rage, and we can have that mournful mourning and yeah. we just need to be careful when we put that yeah. at a circumstance this week where I just felt really frustrated with a, a series of events. And um, and I had to take a step back because I wanted to just, Tell the next person I saw.
0: Yeah, you want all to lash out? <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> because they were there, and I just—that's how I like to get it off my chest—is just tell somebody about it and work it out like that. And I had to be really careful because the next person I saw wasn't somebody that I should have said it. They were sort of on this on the fringe of the thing, and they didn't need to hear all this, the, these details. Let me bring up a quick clarification. You said the word rage. Let's just clarify that for people. What we feel that that deep, Can we deep feel anger. anger. I, yeah, I yeah? do. Yeah, yeah, people
0: do. So it's how we act on it that mm-hmm. we want to just make sure that we don't want to sin when we are feeling that full on anger, rage. Oh, careful go for yeah. a run instead. Yeah, <laughs> go to your no sweat class. Yeah, <laughs> and sweat it out. Yeah. But I think that's a big
2: thing. What you said is. That We have to have the mindset that realizing, actually, this is life. Mm-hmm. And if we think life is going to be the Garden of Eden, that's when we can't walk through things peacefully. If we yeah. just have this perception that, oh, my life is hard, but everybody else's life is perfect, then we can't walk through it with peace. Whereas we can if we realize, actually, this is what life is like, but God's with me in the midst of it. Yeah. I'm going to try and treat other people well and kind of live in
0: light of His, the hope that he gives us and walk through it in a way that honors him. I know what I intentionally do is there are moments when I'm maybe sitting on our porch. We just set up our porch furniture. It was sunny. And I was sitting on there with a cup of tea and going, ah, this is peace. It might only last five minutes, but it's peace. So that I can remember that when it feels all in turmoil in the next few minutes. So I
1: go back to little pieces of peace. Yeah, And being grateful for those moments when Mm -hmm. it feels good. Yeah. (laughs) And when things are Good. Like in that sermon, he talked about um, that the boy who was getting up at three thirty in the morning, and the circumstances of his life were challenging. He walked two hours to school, all of that, and yet he was he was grateful for what he had. And um, we would think, oh my goodness, that those are really hard situations, but he's grateful because he's having privileges of going to school and and knowing the Lord. Mm. Okay, let's keep cruising. One last term,
0: gentleness.
1: Hmm. I was thinking
0: that we really have a different view culturally than biblically. It was kind of fun. Even this morning at breakfast, I told Carter and Mark what we were doing on the podcast. And Carter's like, oh, yeah, gentleness. We just don't understand this word gentleness. He was all excited mm-hmm. about this. But he won't listen to the podcast, so it doesn't okay. matter. <laughs> we're not going to vote him on anything. No. anyways. So, we, I was really thinking that gentleness is really a wimpy term culturally. No one wants to be gentle unless you're like a new mom, a
2: preschool teacher, an old lady. Like We kind of think of it as like baby talk and yeah. kittens and Kleenexes. And,
0: yeah. yeah. Nobody would actually admit to pursuing gentleness, but it is a fruit of the spirit that we're supposed to pursue. I know. Same as peace. Yeah. I, I use know. the
1: word gentle on a regular basis. <clears throat> Do you? By um, Sorry, a little frog here. Um, we have a tenant and my kids' feet are very oh, yeah. loud. So oh. I'm always saying, gentle feet, quiet feet, gentle feet. <laughs> That's funny. That's probably where I use it the most. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Because I looked it up biblically, and there are only 10 references in total in the Bible to the word gentleness. And there are several places where we are told to pursue gentleness. And I thought to myself, I don't know if I've, I would actually admit To pursuing gentleness. Or think of it in those terms. You might use different words to think of like you would say pursuing or trying to
2: be compassionate or trying to be understanding. Yes. Yeah. But you wouldn't think of it and you wouldn't
0: label that gentleness. No, because it feels like such a wimpy word culturally, it feels hard to translate it to being a believer in Christ and using it as an actual word I should pursue. So that was kind of a even just an eye opening kind of a thing for me. Yeah. So, when I looked at some of the verses, the ones that apply to me on pretty much an everyday level here, because we do a lot of um, gentle correction, I use that word, <laughs> for people who are straying and often the weeds. So, Galatians 6 1 talks about when we see others in sin, we need to correct them with um, a spirit of gentleness and i have been actively pursuing that over the last 5 years but again i don't think i would actually use that word to admit that yeah but that's what i have been doing yeah greg said that that i'm a velvet hammer i'm like okay <laughs> a velvet <Yeah>. hammer that's <laughs> awesome i know i'm like okay i can that has some gentleness to yeah. it yeah
2: but, but yeah when you pull up a bunch of these references like you did it's it, the gentleness is usually in the context of some sort of correction or yeah. some sort of defensive faith or some sort of um Thing that has a bit of a stick to it yeah but yet doing it in a way that isn't abrasive isn't mean or condescending or yeah is basically where it comes that up gets
1: the job done yeah you're
0: not pointing your finger in their face and condemning them and being judgmental and harsh yeah you're actually supposed to correct people for their good with a spirit of gentleness yeah Galatians 6 1 yeah. and the second Timothy 2 passage I use all the time uh, verse 25 says to correct our opponents with gentleness and that's so that they can come back to repentance, right? Yeah, Isn't that the fall, absolutely. The on? Yeah. yeah, God may perhaps grant repentance, pen- leading to a knowledge of the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is something that we want to do with our kids, our family members. We want to say, "Hey, hey, hey, look out, watch out! That's going to hurt you if you pursue that direction," yeah. because we want to warn people and teach people. That's very clear in Colossians, but with gentleness. Yeah, First Peter three fifteen, the top, the verse that Andy uses a lot for apologetics
2: to give a reason for our faith. Talks about doing that with gentleness and respect too. So that's even sharing the gospel to people that aren't mm-hmm. Christians. Like don't come there, kind of hammering hellfire, brimstone. Is mm-hmm. that what the scripture is teaching us here? It's saying, share what the hope that you have within you, but do that in a way that's gentle and respectful
0: of them but it's not a term, again, that we would use for men or women who want to be assertive and courageous and strong. No, yeah. We wouldn't say, you also, as a believer, need to be gentle. <laughs> but we should. We should. And
1: but there's keep... no posters about that. You know, It always says courage and determination. Yeah. My brain keeps going to the fact that when we're working on like a, a project with very fragile pieces, let's say, we're fixing, repairing something, yeah. or we're um, trying to get a little job done, um, and we... We want to use gentleness in it so the parts don't get ruined in the process. Yeah. And I wonder if that (laughs) that velvet hammer kind of thing is that there's a job that needs to get done. Hmm. We need to fix this Hmm. thing. I like that. Yeah. But we don't want to hurt or harm the pieces in the process. Yeah. That's what I'm, like, just while I you're like talking, I can. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You think of your grandmother's teacup that's really important to you. We've just cleaned out Mark's mom's house. She's in a care home now, and I have a whole bunch of teacups from her house. And so some of them are broken, and I am repairing the handle. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it is that gentleness that you're wanting to restore something valuable because it is valuable. Or and, create something beautiful. Or create something, yeah. yeah. And the people in our life are valuable, and we need to treat them with gentleness. But it's weird to think that as believers, all ages, all ethnic groups, all both genders genders, need to be gentle. Mm. It's not a manly term, it's not a very strong feminine term. Well, it's yeah, no, it's not
1: either gender any like no, gentle.
2: Although, when you see it in people, you do value it. Like, it's something what I can think of certain people in my life that I would say characterize that, and it is something that just makes you feel like, ah. in their presence, right? You know, you're not going to be condemned. You know,
0: you're not, you can just, you're accepted and loved and, yeah. Yeah. So how do we practice this in our everyday life? And this feels like just as much for me. I'm going to have to think, how am I practicing this in everyday life? I think it's just being aware of our tone, aware of how we talk. Yeah.
2: Kind of asking God for those hearts of compassion for people so that we're not just kind of slamming
1: people that are different than us or, yeah. Mm. Setting aside some of our own emotions on an issue. Hmm. Because if you're, really frustrated with how somebody's behaving and you want to lash out, it could come out as angry words. Then you're gonna hurt them in the process of the correction. Yeah. So pulling reining in our own emotions so that just the truth is coming out. Mm. Yeah. And that's a lot of work. And a lot of prayer often. Huh. Yeah. And a lot of practice. <laughs> I know yeah. that for me over
0: the five years I've been at church and using this
1: regularly,
0: this Velvet Hammer idea, mm. I'm getting better. Like, I can see a difference from five years ago. So I know that, and even as a mom, I'm a mom of an 18 and almost 19-year-old. So it's like, oh, I am getting better with practicing gentleness in correction. Yeah. Not as good when they were younger. You'd just, I would fly off the handle more. I know when I look back. So this is something I think it's a skill that grows if we ask God mm-hmm. particularly to help us with this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we've come to the end of our podcast. Yeah. Crystal, would you mind praying for us? Sure.
2: Lord, we thank you. Um, We've brought up lots of different things in this podcast. We thank you, Lord, first of all, that you're sovereign over this world Mm -hmm. and that you have your eye upon people everywhere. And so, Lord, we just pray, even as we have this this, uh, news this morning about this blue whale game, Lord, we pray that you would... um, Just stop that by the power of your might, Lord, that you would intervene in people's Mm -hmm. lives, that you would uh, alert parents and teachers and people before it's too late. Lord, we thank you that you know what everybody is watching, even if we don't. And so, Lord, we just pray that you would uh, just show yourself in a mighty way in the midst of this really dark situation. Lord, we thank you that you are the God of hope, that we can put our hope in you, that you have a character that's been proven over time. We can know who you are. We can know your power. And we can know this future hope that you give to us. And so, Lord, I pray that our hope would be in you and not in our circumstances, not in our relationships or our jobs or our money, that our hope would truly be placed in you. And Father, we just pray, too, that you would give us your peace and allow us to be agents of your peace and that you would help us figure out how to pursue gentleness. Lord, maybe we'd be people who bring our emotions before you, our fears before you, and ask you to just um, shape our words, our thoughts, so that we can be true ambassadors of you as we interact with people in the church and elsewhere. So, Lord, we thank you that your spirit is the one that works within us to do all these things and that we can just rely on you. um, As we continue to be in your word and be in your presence, we can rely on your hammer in our lives, chiseling out the bad things and and building us into the image of Christ. So thank you that we can trust you for that. So we pray that you just continue to guide and lead each of us. In your name,
0: amen. amen. Amen.